Welcome to the Specific Faith Podcast. My name is Eric. This is episode 17. In today's episode, uh, we're going through the book, The Gospel According to Barabbas, the second part where we take a teaching of Jesus and we plug it into the parable of the sower. That is a diagnostic test to tell you where you are at in your faith. And it's, it's a lot like uh, building a playhouse on Christmas, e- Christmas Eve uh, to give to your children on Christmas Day. A lot of times, here's what I mean, a lot of times with dads, you know, because we're in a hurry or we want to go to sleep, we rush through the building process so that we can, you know, get some rest. And about halfway through or three-quarters of the way through the building process, the thing doesn't look like it's supposed to. And because it's got, like, we take all the pieces and we put them together, but we don't necessarily follow the instructions, and then the next thing we know, we'll get to the end of the process, and it starts looking funny. That's what we're doing here. If we look at these teachings and they don't apply to your life or you're not doing it the way he says, there's we got to go back to the instructions, and we got to look and see what we did wrong. And for many of you, you got to you got to start over. Um, and that's what I mean by re-entering fellowship with Jesus through discipleship. Because many of you who have been bamboozled or deceived by easy believism or the Roman road, your life isn't looking like it's supposed to. You don't know why. And, and this process will tell you why. Take a teaching of Jesus, plug it into the parable of the sower, and you'll know why. Now, I'm so thankful that God gives us these things that we're about to go through incrementally, meaning that he gives them to us piece by piece. Because if perfect faith was required of all of us at one given time, we would, we would, prob- we would all fail at that. There are things that I still need to walk by faith in. I, I can see hints of them out there. Some of them I walk by faith in, the ones that he's given me. And we should be encouraged that this is the mercy of God on full display because he gives us these things incrementally. And that's part of discipleship is, is you learn these things as you walk in fellowship with Jesus. You hear his word. He calls you to do it. You go do it in faith. And there you have that, and he rewards you for the faith that you walked in. We should also be encouraged, this is how God dealt with Abraham. He, he gave him instructions incrementally. And there was no way for him to know that Mount Moriah was coming, and he wasn't ready for it in the beginning. Uh, but by the time you know, Mount Moriah came, Abraham was ready. He passed the test with flying colors. And I know that's what every true believer in Jesus wants to do. We want to be faithful to him. And, uh, and I'm so glad that he gives us to us in pieces. So let's dive right into this teaching today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, Jesus says, You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good 
and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brother only, what do you have more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The last podcast we looked at what happens if someone slaps you in the face and or treats you unfairly or unkindly based on no fault of your own. But here Jesus calls us to go even further into faith. And he says to love those who hate us. Um, it's the kindness of Jesus to say these words to us because this is where faith is possible. This is what I mean by an occasion of faith. He says to you, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say, love your enemy. There's no faith in loving those who love you. I mean, that's easy. That You know the outcome. You know, you, you go and you sit down with people that you love. You, uh, you know, you work with people that you love. I mean, it's really easy to love those people who love you. But Jesus altogether calls us to faith by loving those who hate us. And he wants us to approach those people and, and treat them with kindness. Now, in Christian evangelical zeal, we may say, well, I love them. I just don't want to be anywhere near them. And that's not what he says. He says, do good to them who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So he doesn't give us the option of running away. That used to be my mode of operation. If someone treated me poorly, you know, even after I came to faith and started walking by faith, I had a boss that was really difficult to work for, and I couldn't get away from him. I, he was an unjust man. He would shoot from the hip, uh, and he was just really, really difficult to, to work for. And this is where I found the majesty of this teaching because I had my boss who was, I mean, I, I didn't love him, let's be honest. And Jesus says in the commandment, love your enemy. And I put my boss's face in this text. And when I did that, something altogether marvelous happened. My boss didn't change. I did. I didn't hate him anymore. I would have never said I hated him in the first place, you know, because Christians don't hate people. Wink, wink. But... I just stayed away from him. Or, you know, something else that Christians will do is they'll, they'll weaponize the Bible against someone. Because this guy goes to church, and you know, my boss went to church, and I started coming up with all these Bible verses to, you know, if he was going to treat me poorly, to go ahead and just stomp a mud hole in him because of the way that he was treating me as an unjust manager, and yet he went to church, called himself a Christian. Right? Jesus doesn't say any of those things. I mean, that when I looked at this text and put my boss's face there, he tells me, bless those who curse you. Blessing means to call upon God for a divine favor on someone else's behalf. Like to go to God 
and to pray for your enemy. And I had to pray for my boss. Not that the Lord would destroy him or even, you know, cause him to have a root canal, but that the goodness of God would be revealed in his life and that he would come to faith in a genuine faith in Jesus Christ and maybe even see it in me. He says, do good to those who hate you, which means you have to be near them and bless them and do good for them and pray for them, he says, who spitefully use you and persecute you. You know, to go on behalf of those who hate you, go to God on their behalf, and if they've lashed out at you or treated you poorly and say, don't hold that against them. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember Jesus on the cross? Do you remember Stephen in the book of Acts, chapter 7? To say these things to those who were crucifying Jesus or stoning Stephen will tap into a love that only comes from God. I mean, there's no other way you can love those who hate you, pray for them, treat them with you know, kindness, do good to them, and, and go to God on their behalf unless you believe Jesus. And when you read this text and put your enemy's face there, you will be filled with a love, if you believe him, you will be filled with a love that you cannot explain, but it will tell you of a love that God has for us. That Jesus, though we nailed him to the cross, loved us enough to give his life, to bless us, to pray for us, to do good to us. And, and if he follows up and says, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You, when you start loving your enemy, you mimic God in this way. You're acting as if you belong to a father who already does this. And that's the love that the Christian world should have towards their enemies. Now, what's sad is, um, you know, today you will find that Christians, you know, who attend church and have been uh, manipulated by easy believism in the Roman world, they've never had to deal with this before because they love those who love them. And when you call them to love their enemy, it bothers them because they've never walked by faith in this teaching. This, was, this kind of teaching is given to the zealous or the preacher, but I don't have that, you know, they will say. And sure you don't. It's because you don't, you've never gone through this occasion of faith. You hear this podcast, this is what Jesus says, do these things for your enemy because faith is right around the corner. If you will do it, fountains of living water will pour into your soul and you'll see the love that God had for the world through Jesus Christ. He, um, he goes on to say that he makes his son to rise on the good and the evil and sends his rain on the just and unjust. God does that for the whole world, even though they crucified his son, even though... You know, there's blasphemous 
activity, though they break his commandments, he still sends the sun on them. He still sends the rain that their crops may grow and that they can eat and take pleasure in those things. But now I'll tell you something, and I, I may do another podcast about the love of God. We've got something mixed up here with the love of God because we tell Christians tell the world that God loves you. No, that's not the kind of love that we would display to the world. But what, what I think that we should be saying to the lost world is that God is patient with you. He's waiting on you. And there's a day when his patience will run out. And what that means is that there will be a day that you will be required of the things that you've done. He's waiting on us to walk by faith. And in that, he does love us. Jesus says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? So all of you who say, well, I love my neighbor. It's not the neighbor who is easy to love that Jesus is referring to. It's the difficult one. It's the one who has treated you poorly. It's your enemy. That requires faith. And if you only greet your brethren only, what do you have other than other? What do you have more than others? Do not even tax collectors do that? And Jesus is he's not mocking us, but he's kind of pointing out the obvious errors in the way that we live. Now sure we love those who love us. That doesn't count. We get no credit for that. It's your enemy. So in this, sometimes when I've spoken at churches before, I will say, in this exercise, do you see your enemy in your mind? And a lot of you will know who I'm talking about. And if you don't have any, you can borrow some of mine because I have several people who hate me. And if you can see their face, that's the one. Go and love them, and do good to them, and bless them, and pray for them, so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. If we tried to apply this concept of blind obedience to any other worldly or earthly wisdom or proverb or anything like that, we would run out to our enemy and do this And it would not turn out good for us. But I want you to know that because Jesus has given this occasion of faith to us, to love those who hate us, that he is on the backside of that. And he is calling you and me to go and do that. And if someone comes to mind of who it is that that has treated you poorly and you would consider them an enemy of yours or someone who's very difficult to live around, that's the one and Jesus is calling you right now to go and do these specific things to them you don't get to pick and choose how you would want to respond to them he tells you do good to them bless them pray for them give to them when you go you should not expect your enemy to have a revolution though they may but we should expect that they will act in self-interest, which is the source of sinfulness in the world. And they will take your kindness and they will continue to treat you poorly. And that's not the point. 
Okay? The point is that you believe the teachings of Jesus and he will change your heart about your enemy. Now, if your enemy comes to faith in Jesus because you go and do these things, you've won your enemy. And congratulations. But don't expect, you know, a radical repentance from your enemy. But just know that it's your heart that needs to change towards your enemy. For us, Jesus Christ has given himself as the example here. And Paul explains it this way. He says, love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It bears all things and it endures all things. Not only are we to do good and return for evil, but Jesus also calls us to go to God on the behalf of our enemy and ask for the riches of God on their behalf. Even tax collectors pray to God against their enemies. And I know that I've done that, and you may have too, where you know someone has treated you poorly and you want the wrath of God to fall upon them. And Jesus will have no part with that. In fact, uh, in the Scriptures, there is a place where the, there was a Samaritan village that rejected Jesus and James and John came to Jesus and said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus says to them, you do not know what spirit you are of. The Son of Man has come to save those who are lost, not destroy them. And so, you know, a lot of times Christians will begin to weaponize the word, as I mentioned earlier, against their, their enemies. And Jesus doesn't call us to do that in this commandment. This love is from God by faith in Jesus Christ. The Word of God. Love is the bond of perfection. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is greater than all spiritual gifts. The believer and recipient of this kind of love has no enemies because of this love. Now, isn't that interesting? So, that's the teaching. Now, if we, what we have to do to find out where we're at in the faith and do a diagnostics of our faith is see and plug it into the parable of the sower. So, according to the parable of the sower, the word gets sown out onto a field, and there's four different soils that will hear this word, and the soils represent each and every one of us in the world. And the first one's called the wayside, and it's very hard and so this kind of teaching to love your enemies has no place in the heart of this person. They're not interested in it. They may love Jesus for his death, burial, and resurrection, but they have no place to go to their enemy and do anything else but them, but to treat them the way that they are treated. And so this is dismissed, and we're not worried about this, and as soon as possible, the devil will come, and they will take this teaching away, and you're not bothered by this anymore. You're the first soil. And in the second soil, it's called stony ground, which means that the seed lands on the soil, and it immediately pops up, and you know because it understands the teaching, it begins to go to your enemy. And the enemy will no doubt treat you poorly in return because they always act in self-interest. 
and they will take and gobble up all of your evangelical zeal until you are spent. And when they have spent every last dime of yours and treated you poorly and you've stood there and bore it, you will retreat back and say, this teaching is impossible because who can deal with the persecution and the tribulations that my enemy brings to me? And if that's the case, if you've ever gone and tried to treat an enemy kindly or you're thinking about a you know you put in your mind you've got someone in your head to go and to do this and they gobble it all up they take all of your kindness and just spit on it and treat it horribly and treat you horribly and then you have to quit because you can't put up with that anymore you're the second soil you never bore fruit then there's a third soil where it says that it's the seed cast out on this soil and the briars begin to grow up around the plant that grows up and it begins to choke out the plant. And those three things are very specific. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life and the desires for other things will keep you from loving your enemy. Those three things will keep you from doing good to those who curse you because those who curse you may demand money from you. They may slap you. They may continue to treat you poorly. They may take your coat from you. They may sue you. And it's going, you're not going to be able to do the commandment of Jesus because of the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, and the desires for other things. And so resisting against your enemy and not loving them in the way that Jesus has told you to do that is the vines squeezing around the plant. And pretty soon, the teaching and your understanding of it will die. And you'll declare that this commandment is impossible for you. And lastly, will be the good soil. And that is the seed, this seed here, the love your enemy seed, is cast upon your heart. And you hear this teaching, and I, when I asked you earlier to think of someone, an enemy in your mind, you thought of someone. And because you believe this word, you're going to go out and you're going to try to do it. And when you go try to do it, your enemy is going to treat you poorly, just like they did the first three soils. They're going to demand some more of you. They're going to treat you shamefully. They're going to ask things of you. And because you believe Jesus Christ when he says these things and you desire more to be like your Father in heaven, you're going to do it. You'll bear with the enemy. Even though they treat you poorly, you will have patience like the river flows for them because God has been patient with you. See, this is the mystery of this, this commandment, is that God, Jesus Christ, is calling us to love those who treat us poorly, and we have an exact example of how he has treated us, because we too were the enemy of God. We once were God-hating. We once broke every commandment he gave us. 
and he was patient with us. He did not destroy us. Instead, he let his sun shine upon us and his rain to fall down that our crops may grow. And what he asks is the same thing of you towards those enemies of yours. And lo and behold, in the fourth soil, not only do you understand it, not only do you go out and do it, but their fruit pops out. And it will be there for you to marvel at. You will know that this love has come from God because you had zero ability before you believe this teaching in faith to love those who hate you. You will marvel at the fruit and the, the, and the grace of God to strengthen you to do what he has called you to do. Now, your enemy, whether their hearts change or not, who knows? That's not the point. If every Christian... If every disciple were to take this one teaching and apply it to their life in the way that Jesus Christ has called us, and they were to do it in faith, it would not take very long at all before our churches were full again, if we would just love our enemies. It would not be long before we would reconcile with those who have wounded us and they would not call us hypocrites anymore if we would just love our enemies. The first commandment that Jesus gives is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And because we live in a twisted and perverted generation, you know, we can go to worship services, we can give, we can stuff shoeboxes, we can go on mission trips, and we can, do, we can fool ourselves into believing that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because of our activities. But this commandment to love your neighbor as yourself is fail-proof. You can't manipulate this. And if you are able to try it for a while, you, unless it's by faith, you won't last long. That's why I love these specific teachings, because they're fail-proof. They will tell you if you believe in Jesus or not. And I encourage you to go and find that enemy and do exactly what Jesus has called you to do. And, and find out how, what the results are. Because that will tell you where your faith is at. And if you're the first soil and you don't have any place for this, you think this is an impossibility, let that do its work in you. That you've rejected the one that you say that you love. And if you're the second soil and you went out and you tried it and you failed, let that do its work in you that you've backed away because of the persecution and that you didn't believe him and ask for strength to try again and go do it again. And if you're the third soil and the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, and the desires for other things 
kept you from fulfilling the commandment, which is obedience. Let that do its work. Know who you are. But I'm optimistic that many of you are going to go out and for the very first time you're going to do this. And you're going to believe him. And when you do that, you won't need anyone to tell you when it's time to worship. You won't need anybody to take you to a conference or go to a concert or anything like that. You will be flooded with joy. And I want to tell you something. There's more. There's more occasions to come. My name is Eric. Go to SpecificFaith.com. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message. Go back and listen to these podcasts. Send these podcasts to people that you know. Until then, walk by faith in the specific teachings of Jesus. Jesus.